Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to another edition of the Steelers Draft Fix. It's Jeremy Betts back with you again. Before we bring Andrew in, uh, as we always do, I wanted to introduce a special guest that we had um, for an interview a couple days ago, and we are plugging that in to this uh, podcast here at the beginning for you guys. Uh, Andrew and I got to talk with Chad Forbes, a uh, Twitter personality for the draft and uh, free agency. He keeps a good eye on the league. He's very knowledgeable about basically every team and does a good job putting his facts together and uh, chatting with people who know what they're talking about. So without further ado, here is Andrew and my interview with Chad Forbes. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, we are delighted to be joined today by Chad Forbes. You can go on Twitter at NFL Draft Bites. He's had a ton of great NFL draft information. Be sure to follow him. Chad, how are you doing today? Great night, guys. Can't wait to talk Steelers football. Yes, sir. So let's let's get into this. You put out on Twitter a while back your ideal NFL draft fits at quarterback. And when it came to Malik Willis, you actually gave him to the Steelers in terms of being the best fit. Is there certain trait in Malik Willis' game that makes you think that he would be a really good fit? And I, I mean, I'm saying this is a big Malik Willis fan. Uh, do you see him, why do you see him as an ideal fit for Matt Campbell's offense at Pittsburgh? A lot of people a few months ago were suggesting Kenny Pickett, the Pittsburgh quarterback, would land in the hometown. That felt a little bit just like Ben Roethlisberger. Now, Pickett's more athletic, but he's definitely a stationary pocket guy. With Malik Willis, you're just adding a completely new dimension and taking the offense in a whole new direction. Not going to say he's Lamar Jackson, but he's very athletic, heavy on the RPO game, which is going to be a big feature in their offense going forward. The idea of Najee, Malik Harris, Deontay Johnson, Firemuth, it starts to get you a little bit more excited than you know someone like Sam Howell or Kenny Pickett. And that's just how I look at it. And, uh, you know, oddly enough, since I kind of posted that the Steelers were hot on Malik Willis, people have kind of come around to that idea. Hey, Chad, this is Jeremy. Um, I wanted to kind of follow up on that. Uh, Just do you think maybe Mike Tomlin and company there in Pittsburgh are kind of enamored with what Jackson can do in Baltimore, and that's why um, they spent some time talking to Willis at the Senior Bowl, or is that just going through the due process? Everybody does their due diligence, but when you've had a quarterback that's been just like so stationary in the pocket to the point where he, anytime there's pressure on him, he just feels an obligation to get rid of the football. And that's been the last few years with Big Ben. That could frustrate you. And sure, you can look at like a Lamar Jackson or another mobile quarterback and say, wow, if we add that element of what we've got, Najee Harris, all of our other playmakers, that could be really interesting. And the way that his feet, you know, he's just so athletic and he can run. He has really good vision, too, when downfield. You say as he's transitioning to becoming kind of a more complete NFL quarterback, those legs can be very additive, and that's an element we just haven't had in our offense for a long time. Yeah, for sure. A big concern with Kenny Pickett is hand size, and I think Jeremy and I both agree that this is a major concern for a team like the Steelers who play in inclement weather in December and January. However, a large portion of the Steelers fan base, like you said, is just infatuated with Pickett, probably because he is from Pitt, but... He only played in two games in the past two seasons in sub-50 degree temperatures. How big of an issue do you think Pickett's hand size is, especially after seeing his struggles during the week of bad weather at the Senior Bowl? Certain guys come along that are outliers, and I'll bring one up in Aaron Donald. Right? When he came into the draft, he was 6 feet, 280 pounds, and everybody's like, he's too small. Right? So there's always outliers yeah. that come along 
But when your quarterback is the way that he looks, six foot five, two hundred thirty pounds, his hand size is just such an outlier compared to really anybody in recent memory. It's got to be a concern. So you know, I think he's going to team with the Steelers. He's definitely going to have him in on the pro day and see how he does on the wet football. And uh, I like Pickett as a prospect, but the hand size is definitely concerning, and each team will look at it differently. So um, along the lines of Steelers needs this year, I I saw on your uh, Twitter that. Uh, or your profile, you are uh, permanently worried about 32 teams online. So the uh, Steelers offensive line must give you uh, some nightmares then, if that's the case. Um, do you like a specific uh, direction in the free agent market for Pittsburgh to go at O-line? You're not going to be able to rebuild that offensive line in free agency because they're starting with nothing. Sure. You know, you can add a couple players in along the way and say that'll help, but they've really... You look at the successful job they did for Pouncey to Castro, Marcus Gilbert, you know, back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to try to go that same direction of rebuilding young, coach them up. And, you know, I don't say that I dislike everybody along that offensive line. I think Dotson might be a piece. The center was a little disappointing in, in his rookie season, but I actually thought Dan Moore was like, showed some progress down the stretch. So, yeah, it definitely concerns me. And I think that's one of the issues if you do trade up for a quarterback is you got to give up the picks that you're going to need to really help fill that offensive lineup. So, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely a concern for me. It's some of the guys they had starting, well, who's the left guard they had? What was his name? The left guard? Hausner? Oh. Uh, he came in at center when uh, Kendrick Green was injured. Hassenauer? And then they had, like, Okorafor, who's just, I think he's, some people were telling me he's going to get $10 million of free agency per year. <laughs> like, are you delusional? Yeah. Uh, Trey Turner was the guard opposite, uh, Dotson for the majority yeah, of the year, yeah. Yeah, Trey Turner was, he had an okay season. He just looked a little past his prime. It, mm. It's like, you're not going to get the job done with guys like BJ Finney and uh, you know the other group they got there. So they've got a lot of work to do, but I really think it's got to be in the draft. Sure. To follow up on that, I was really intrigued by what Kevin Colbert said in his last week's interview on Monday when he came out and spoke to the media, and he said that he saw offensive tackle as a deep class and the interior offensive line a little bit weaker class. Now, we may disagree on this one, but just from the players that I have taken a dive into, to me, after the top three tackles, there is a big drop-off. I can see a ton of great prospects that at least can develop into left tackles. You may have a few good right tackles on day two. But to me, at guard, you still got some guys with Sita Smith on day two, got really high on Tyrese Robinson potentially on day three. There's some good guards, and of course, some good centers, Cole Strange, through some versatility at the senior goal. Uh, what is your take on the offensive line, where its strength is, and is there a certain prospect that you really like? Yeah, I'm very high on Trevor Penning, and I put him in that, that first group of four tackles there with the NC State guy whose name I'm still have trouble pronouncing, <laughs> Evan Neal and Charles Cross. And I like Burnett Raymond from Central Michigan. I view Darren Kennard as a right tackle. I think he can stay there. Some people project him shifting into guard. Max Mitchell's a guy from Louisiana. It reminds me a lot of Mike McGlinchey. You're not a great athlete, but somehow gets the job done. He started a lot of games. So I'm really actually very high on the tackle class. I think the interior line group, some people like, you know, Donald Parham from Memphis or Cole Strange, or you mentioned. But after the really the top center is Linderbaum, there's no one that really I even think is worth a day two pick. And then the guards, I like Zion Johnson a lot, and I also think Kenyon Green, those guys should have their names called in the top 40. But I actually do think it's a better tackle group. Now, what could kind of hurt your perspective there is there's a lot of, like, you could view Darren Kennard as a guard, where I say he's a right tackle. So you could say the interior class is better, but I'm looking at some guys saying he's a tackle. So 
I think a lot of these guys are going to be moving around. I even think Icky, the Gonagoo from NC State, I think he's really a left guard. So, mm. you know, I think it's a pretty good offensive line class. It's certainly better than the ones we've seen. The last year was an okay group, but it, it's a pretty good group, and there's a lot of guys that have experience at the college level that should, uh, should help. Uh, you mentioned Linderbaum on Twitter, I believe, uh, potentially being moved to guard for a couple years if he were to go to a place that already has an established center. Um, in the Steelers' case, do you think if they were to go the Linderbaum route that they would keep him at center and then move the guy they had there this last year, Kendrick Green, to the guard position where he played in college, or do you think that that's something Kendrick they might Green do? Green looked underpowered at center. Yes, right? yeah, I agree. So I don't really think moving into guard helps him out much when he's going to be on less combo blocks, isolated one-on-one a lot more. You know, the, really the question with Linderbaum, and, and I ask it, it's like say the Eagles bring back uh, Jason Kelsey, right? Sure. Or say the Jets, who have Connor McGovern in center, they probably you know, keep for 2022. Can he play? Both those teams then would have a hole at right guard, right? Right. We all know he's a zone-blocking style center. You want to let him reach and run, get to the second level. He reminds you a little bit of Jason Kelsey, right? And so really what I'm asking is, if you love him and say, oh, yeah, this guy's the next Jason Kelsey, he's going to be a five-time pro bowler in our system, well, can you play him at right guard for a year and be on the backside of those kind of zone looks? So I don't really think he's a Steelers fit. Uh, Zion Johnson strikes me a lot more as a Steelers fit. Some of the day two tackles, whether it's Kennard or Rasheed Walker, strike me as fit. But they just have work to do all across the offensive line, and I don't think displacing Kenyon Green to guard is is really the answer. Now, Jeremy, I believe you had a couple free agent questions for Chad as well. If you want to uh, offer those up to him. Yeah, so kind of circling back to the quarterbacks, um, it kind of seemed, well, in Colbert's um, interview, he mentioned that they would try to bring in enough to have four quarterbacks going to camp, which is what they typically do. Um, to me, one of those has to be a a rookie, um, maybe a, a late-round rookie as well, or an undrafted free agent they go that route. But um, my question to you is, Dwayne Haskins comes back probably on a restricted tender, or as a restricted tender free agent. Do you think that that is their 2022 free agent dive at quarterback or would they go somewhere else well i think they're going to be hesitant to spend you know they're not going to go out there and spend on the bridge quarterback as some of the agents have really told me that they're not going to be spending 10 million dollars on a bridge quarterback the year say like the way the the washington football team did on a fitzpatrick right right so are they going to be looking at whether it's a um, Mariota, james trubisky and is it really appealing to those guys to be saying you know here's you know, we'll give you four million bucks, and we're going to draft a kid. So I don't think they're going to go out and sign like a big name bridge quarterback. I think what you said is probably the way they go about it. What I would do personally is I would re-sign on the tender Haskins if they like him at all, or if they don't, you let him walk. But it sounds like they like him a little bit. Yeah. You just keep Rudolph there because you know maybe you do end up with a Kenny Pickett, and that's kind of the perfect uh, quarterback room there. They kind of look similar, play similar styles. So. And then you look at maybe just re-signing like a Josh Dobbs or bringing in someone on the cheap. And then say for some reason you don't get the quarterback you want in the draft, there should be guys out there available in the summer. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a guy who waits until after the draft. There's, he has no trade value. Right. Anyone thinks he's getting traded to $25.8 million, <laughs> he's going to get cut and then wait till after the draft to see where he can land. So yeah. I don't think they need to be like impatient in the sense and overpay. Like Look at the way that the, the Bears did with Andy Dalton. Was Andy Dalton, you know, 
panicking and giving him $10 million before the draft smart? No, it was a really bad move. Yeah. So the Steelers are too smart to do that. And I expect they'll wait on the quarterback, and they'll probably have three guys before the draft, but maybe not the starter for week one. Sure. One more question for me before I hand it back to Jeremy for any other questions he has. This is kind of circling back to the quarterbacks. Just because none of us can really get a clear idea of what the Steelers are going to do, it seems as if the Steelers are doing more due diligence on the quarterback position than they have probably in my lifetime, at least since um, Ben Roethlisberger was drafted. If you had to put a percentage chance on how likely it is the Steelers do not draft a quarterback? Because some fans are beginning to think that it's just imminent the Steelers are taking a quarterback because they're throwing so much attention to this class. If you had to guess, what percentage chance do you give the Steelers to not take a quarterback in the first round? Um, if they think that some guy will float down to the second round and they love a player there, I'm one of the people that doesn't really see a lot of first-round quarterbacks in this class, so say they don't get their hands on Malik Willis or you know, maybe they wait till round two, but they're going to like somebody either at 20 or by a trade-up. Maybe it's Desmond Ritter, but they're going to take a quarterback. They're, they're not going to – you know, it's the first time, as you mentioned, since 2004 that they've needed a quarterback. So they're going to do it the right way, and they're going to select one somewhere along that first round. My last question involves um, the Steelers hiring of uh, uh, Flores as on the defensive side. Do you think that that impacts – uh, free agency as far as what the Steelers will be able to to attract on the defensive side of the ball? Well, not necessarily. I mean, you know, he's a good coach, and I think that Mike Tomlin likes good coaches. So yeah. uh, I think it's a good addition, and maybe he has some relationships around the league, you know, can find someone that you know, wants to play for him specifically, but I don't really think it'll impact free agency too much. Follow him on Twitter. At NFL Draft Bites. Chad, thank you so much for coming on today. We really appreciate it. It was fun, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Andrew, I want to welcome you in. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. I'm excited for the combine. Looking forward to finally getting a real feel for how these guys test out athletically. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of my favorite times of the offseason. And I like it that it's so close to the end of the NFL season because you get to see these guys really jump in and um, start to show in front of the public, the general public, and a lot of uh, the decision makers uh, at the combine, what they're made of physically. And they've been rolling through tape. A lot of these teams have a, a good idea of where they have guys on their board, but the combine can really uh, sway some opinions and maybe move a guy up a slot or two. Um, there's a lot of positions where players are grouped tightly together and uh, the combine is just another way to really help uh, certain players break away from the pack or maybe uh, they fall back because they didn't test as well athletically at the combine. So that's going to be very interesting. Uh, but before we jump into that, uh, it was a really fun interview with Chad, Andrew. I, I think we enjoyed that. And, uh, what were your some of your thoughts from uh, what he was giving us? For the most part, I agree. I mean, the big topic point was Malik Willis, and I think we all agree that if the Steelers are going to go after a quarterback that is going to really get them to where they want to be, Malik Willis is the really the only guy who has the uh, that much upside. I think if you're looking at all the other guys we talked about last week about Kenny Pickett, you know, what's his upside? We really don't know what it is, especially with the small hands going to a cold weather team. Um, there, there were a couple things I 
you know, we, when we touched on the offensive line, I'm not quite as big a Trevor Penning fan as he is. He just really struggled against the quicker edge rushers uh, at the senior bowl. We'll see if he can bounce back at the combine though. He seems to be rising on some boards. Same thing goes for Bernard Raymond. I'm not super high on either of them, especially with Raymond because his because of his age as well. Uh, but it was, it was a really interesting interview. It was really good to hear his takes. Um, and I'm excited to uh, see how it all plays out. Yeah. I, I think it was interesting too, to get a take of somebody who's maybe not quite as invested in the Steelers. You know, you get right. a lot of biased uh, uh, thoughts and opinions, uh, obviously from a Steelers focused website and uh, podcast platform, which by the way, uh, this podcast is a part of the behind the steel curtain.com podcast uh, network. So check out everything that BTSC has to offer. Let's jump into a position group that I don't think we're going to need to spend a lot of time on. I'm going to kind of run through these guys here. Uh, and then in the, uh, the tight ends is the position we're doing. Sorry. And then uh, after the break, we'll talk some running backs before getting into a more in-depth combine preview, which man, it's right up on us, isn't it? Yes. Yep. It, it is. It is right upon us. And it, like, like I said, it just comes so fast, especially with the, uh, the league being extended uh, another couple weeks um, with the Super Bowl being a little bit later. So, all right, let's talk some tight ends. Um, Andrew, I wanted to ask you because I don't really see a whole lot of need <laughs> at the tight end position for the Steelers, especially when you compare it to other needs. But what do you think the Steelers need at this position is going into this offseason? I wouldn't mind an upgrade over Zach Gentry as the backup tight end. As I've said before, I'm not the biggest Zach Gentry fan. Uh, and there's not really any depth behind him. I think this is a position, though, that considering the age of both Gentry and Fryermuth, I, I feel like this may be a position that you may want the Steelers to find in maybe that second wave of free agency when all the big names are kind of off the board. Maybe they bring in a journeyman. Maybe they bring in a guy if they are confident in Pat Fryermuth's blocking and Zach Gentry's blocking, maybe they go after more of a tight end that they can put out in the slot. I know they've been trying those move tight ends. It hasn't really worked out for the Steelers at all, but maybe they find someone with a little bit more versatility uh, for an extra tight end in the room. And there's a lot of good names out there. It's a fairly deep tight end group, uh, not very top heavy. And it's, I mean, the tight end position, it's just never super deep in the draft, but I think you're looking at a position where you could find, you know, seven, eight, maybe even up to 10 names guys that could go within rounds two to four. Sure. And uh, like you said, a good depth there and uh, some, some talent at the middle and back into the draft that could be developed as well. But I think if the Steelers were able to address uh, the big needs, quarterback, offensive line, uh, cornerback, they were able to address those this off season. And you went into 2022 with uh Pat Fryermuth, Zach Gentry, and Kevin Rader as your three tight ends, I think they'd still be okay with that. Um, so it will be interesting um, to see how that plays out. Do you have any uh, tight ends that could provide some value at the back end of the, of the draft and maybe tempt the Steelers if uh, they seem to have addressed other positions and are just looking for an upside guy uh, to, to throw in the mix? A guy that I'm not as high on as some, but a guy who, if you're looking for athletic upside, Jelani Woods is a guy, he was very inconsistent in terms of production in college, uh, but he's very athletic. He has a big body. He can box out, uh, just kind of plays the game like a center in basketball. 
Um, he's just really good at getting those jump balls in the red zone. He could be a weapon. He's a later on pick, probably you're looking fifth, sixth, maybe even seventh round. Um, James Mitchell is a guy from Virginia Tech. His, his body is not filled out yet. I'd like to see him add some more weight, but he's a guy who shows a lot of competitiveness and toughness. As a blocker, he just hasn't been able to hold up because of his uh, lack of size. Uh, but, you know, a lot of these guys in the later rounds, they're either move tight ends, kind of like a Grant Calcaterra guy who just two years ago we were talking about as a potential day two pick, had some injuries, retired from football, came back to play football, transferred to SMU. But he's more of a move tight end, not really the Steelers type of tight end. Right. Um, and then you have other guys like Chase Allen who don't really provide much of a receiving threat, but they are really good inline blockers. So I feel like if you are the Steelers, maybe you go after a guy like Jelani Woods in the later round, a uh, guy that I'm still looking into. And by the way, the BTSC big board, uh, we're going to have the tight end board coming out within the next few days. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, one guy that I'm looking into as we're going through the board is Chig Okonkwo from Maryland. A guy who has a lot of athleticism. I've read a lot of good things on him. And so far from what I've seen, there's a good bit of upside here, but could it, was it maybe the scheme fit that wasn't good for him at Maryland or was it just didn't have as many opportunities as what you would like to see, or was it just, you know, he's not there yet as a player. There's a lot of questions to answer, but those are a few guys uh, that maybe the Steelers could target, especially if they, we get all the way to undrafted free agency. Although I will say uh, real quickly, this is one position that if you're looking for a late round flyer, combine times do kind of matter. Cause once you get sure. to undrafted free agency, I get the people that, you know, want to get these guys that can maybe be decent special teamers and things like that. But if I'm, if I'm going for a no risk undrafted free agent, that has a very good chance of getting cut. I'm just going to go, go big or go home. I'm going to find a guy who's got some good athleticism, watch these 40 times at the combine, watch and see how big their catch radius is when they're running routes at the combine, just little things like that. I think those are things that fans should pay attention to if they're looking for a late round gem, a guy who maybe could develop two or three years down the line into maybe a good backup or maybe even low end tight end one. Sure. I think there's a lot of guys in this draft in the mold of Pat Frymuth, a red zone threat, intermediate route kind of guy, seam guy. Um, there's not a lot of vertical threats. So it's, it, it is going to be interesting what they choose to do. Uh, I was looking at the free agent class and uh, there's some interesting names. Uh, Steelers fans will be familiar with Jesse James. If they're looking for a guy who can come back in and, and be know the organization and come in cheap, uh, Jesse James might be someone they could be interested in bringing back. I don't know about what you think about Eric Ebron. Um, cause he's an under, uh, an unrestricted free agent as well. Do you think there's a chance the Steelers bring him back if he's willing to take a deal? I don't, I'm, yeah. but I'm, I've also never been a Eric Ebron fan. I've always said that he is LeBron minus the L. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just have never been a fan of Eric Ebron. I just felt like he didn't play with enough effort in Detroit. Yeah. He's never been a good blocker. He's had some issues with drops. I'd just rather find someone more reliable. These may be like, they may be more luxury signings. And I don't know if this is about the money, but if a guy like an OJ Howard or David Njoku happened to right. fall to the second wave of free agency, that may be a guy I would consider. But again, it's not a position that I really think the Steelers have to address. That would just be kind sure. of a luxury if there's a little bit of money left over and their salary falls down to a spot where the Steelers can feasibly sign. Right. OJ Howard is intriguing to me because he's uh, one of those guys that never really lived up to the hype um, in, right. in uh, Tampa Bay. And uh, he's got a chance to maybe 
remake his name, if you will, if he goes somewhere else. And he could be an interesting um, athletic option uh, to pair with the reliable Pat Fryermuth. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk running backs and then preview next week's NFL scouting conference. back to the second half of the Steelers draft fix. Hey, Andrew, on that uh, last, uh, the last thing I said going into the break, I really felt like I put on my announcer voice. Did you catch that? I did. It was impressive. Was it? Okay. So, you know, I think, I I think this is a jump, uh, a springboard for me. There's a lot of movement going on in the announcer world these days, and looks like maybe some positions are opening up. So um, let's make sure we really save this and I'll just send it off to all the, uh, networks after after the next show play what do you by think? play host next to troy aikman on monday night football hey there you go i you know it'd be a lot of fun and uh you know i would just ham it up on tv i'm sure so um enough of that let's talk some running backs uh what do you think kind of like we did with the tight ends we talked about the steelers need at this position what do you think the need is for pittsburgh in this offseason at the running back position I'm still a big fan of Anthony McFarland. I feel like if he can get healthy, he's a really good fit in Matt Canada's offense. He's a really good compliment to what Najee Harris brings. And Kalen Balaj is a guy who I thought really sparked in the preseason last year. Didn't really get a whole lot of opportunities, but mm. I prefer him over Benny Snell. He is a free agent, so the Steelers would have to bring Balaj back. But if it's him or Snell, I would definitely be okay with bringing him back. I don't mm. see it as a huge need, but like every year, we see running backs on day three every year that – will contribute and in every couple of years we'll find someone who develops into a starting running back. And I don't think it's any different this year. This is another really deep running back class. Right. And the, the running back value is really in the day two, day three range. So the Steelers don't have to worry about missing out on a, a guy that could help Najee Harris uh, in the backfield. There's so many options to it be able to address running back. Maybe that's in the building. Like you said, with Anthony McFarland, I think the Steelers will want to look at somebody with maybe a little more uh, receiving skills out of the backfield. Um, but in, in any case, there's, there's a lot of ways to help uh, Najee. And uh, if the Steelers come into those middle rounds and, and somebody who they really like the tape of uh, with that type of ability stands out, maybe they uh, make a move. Do you have any guys that you think that they would do that with? Well, in the draft, I'm not I'm not going to really break down Connor Hayward because he is kind of a fullback slash tight end. Right, um, right. He's not the ideal size for a tight end. But, man, if the Steelers are going to get rid of Derek Watt, and I was saying this last year because I want Ben Mason, but the Steelers mm. can still save money if they just cut Derek Watt. They don't use the fullback enough to be paying him what he is, and you don't just pay a guy based off of special teams value. And sure. Connor Hayward is a guy who can really do it all. He's not the same mold as Ben Mason last year. But he can catch the ball in the backfield. He's a good blocker. He can carry the ball and pick up yards in short, in short situations. I really like him. A couple guys, I'm not going to break him down, but a couple guys that I just really like on tape, they're going to go too high based upon when we're looking at the Steelers potentially drafting one. But Damian Pierce is a guy who's really rising on draft boards. 
I'm kind of disappointed because he was my sleeper up until the senior bowl. And then <laughs> everyone jumped on board with him afterwards, but he's a guy who didn't get a whole lot of opportunities in college. I think sure. he has seen some light it up at the combine. And then Jerome Ford is a guy who reminds me a lot of Javante Williams last year. He's going to, if he runs a good 40 time, which I expect him to, I could see him running the four fours. Uh, I expect him to rise on draft boards as well. Sure. Uh, do you, and I'm just curious to get your thought. There's a lot of guys in that kind of round three, round four range. I have, Another guy who I'll mention in a minute uh, that will probably end up falling to day three. Is there a guy that you've seen in this class just by whether it be his numbers or statistics they put up in college that you really think sure. can really make a make a big difference at the next level? Well, uh, my big draft crush at the uh, running back position is Abram Smith from Baylor. He is a do-it-all back with enough speed to um, break out if he gets a hole. Uh, but the receiving ability and the the quickness is what really stands out to me. And I think that what the Steelers are looking for, he really fits that mold. The the scat back, the uh, sure-handed pass catcher, um, a James White, uh, Giovanni Bernard type player that could provide really good value early on in his career, um, spelling a workhorse back in Najee Harris, who... I think the Steelers realize that they can't they can't feed him uh, the amount of touches that he was fed and this last year and keep him around for a long time. So somebody that not necessarily is a guy that they would trust to like step in if Najee Harris gets hurt, but a complimentary style player who uh, I believe Abrams Abram Smith could really fit the the mold of and be one of those guys you you see taken in rounds three to three to five. Another guy I like is Jerion Ely from Ole Miss. Um, he's quick. Uh, he's got good vision and he, uh, he needs to work on rece- receiving a little bit, but um, he's still got enough talent there. I'll be interested to see him at the combine, how he does on some of the uh, receiving drills, see if that's something he's worked on to improve um, going into the draft. I wanted to talk a couple of free agents as well. Oh, man, I know the Steelers probably don't spend the money on this guy, but a, a guy I would love to see in this backfield next to Najee Harris would be uh, Chase Edmonds from Arizona, uh, James Connors running mate from uh, 2021. What do you think about Chase Edmonds? I like him in fantasy. Uh, sure. <laughs> he, would be, he would be a really good compliment to Harris, I feel, with his speed in the open field. Right. Uh, would be really good. I, I'm not an expert on Matt Canada's offense in terms of how he likes to utilize number two running backs. But, you know, first glance, that would be a really fun backfield. Najee Harris and Chase Edmonds, you'd have a lot more explosiveness. I think you'd have two running backs with really good vision. Uh, it would be an exciting backfield. Yeah, I think so too. And then if you really wanted to go the, uh, we need a receiving back to spell Najee on third down so he doesn't have to be the guy on every down and situation. Uh James White is an unrestricted free agent, and so is J.D. McKissick, uh, who played for the football team this last year as well. Two guys to keep an eye on who could provide some value in that second wave of free agency. All right, that should wrap up the running backs, unless you have anything else to add to that. Um, there, the if one free agent that I'm a big fan of is Justin Jackson, who's okay. a guy I'm yeah. really high on with the Chargers, guy who'd be a decent compliment to Najee Harris in the backfield, has really good vision. Has some patience to the whole. Physically looks like a Le'Veon Bell, not quite as patient. 
But I think the big thing that fans will want to pay attention to with the Steelers is that they probably only have room to bring in one running back. So you have to figure out, you kind of have to weigh the free agents and the draft prospects. What is more valuable spending $1 million on a Justin Jackson or maybe a JD McKissick or spending a fifth round pick on maybe a Pierre strong, a guy who's been compared to Elvin Kamara um, or Keontae Ingram, a guy who I believe could be a three down back in the NFL. If he can sure up the fumbles, which I think he's begun to, those were the other names I was thinking of that running back. Um, so the, it's just kind of, you know, you have to figure out which one would you rather do? Do you want to use utilize a draft pick on day three for one, or do you want to use a little bit of free agency money uh, to fix it? It'll be interesting to see which way the Steelers go. It absolutely will. I think that's an intriguing um, position where the Steelers don't have a huge need, but enough of a need where I, I think you'll see it addressed at some point this offseason. NFL Combine, it's next week. It's the big event of the offseason. Uh, outside of the draft, really, you get to see these prospects come out and, and show out. Um, to preview it, I, I know we were talking beforehand, we want to kind of uh, discuss guys who, who really need to have a good combine to um, either hold their stock or improve it enough to be, um, a, be guys that these teams will keep an eye on. Um, some things to watch, we'll talk about some of those as well. And then uh, just if you have any notes about any drills or anything that you like to just knuckle down and watch, make sure that you're available to see. Uh, I'm sure the audience would love to hear that as well. So uh, let's start with who needs a good combine. Do you have uh, a couple guys that stand out to you? I do. And I kind of have them split into two categories. One is guys that we don't kind of expect to have great combines, but if they do could really boost their draft stock. And then you have the other group of guys who are real athletes, didn't put up great production in college and they really, really need to have a good combine or else their draft stock is going to completely plummet. I feel like I'm not going to dive into them, but guys like Nicholas Pettit Ferreira, or however you say the name, the Ohio State offensive tackle uh, is a guy to pay attention to. A very good athlete, but was inconsistent with footwork uh, when I watched him on tape. Traylon Burks, how will he do catching the balls? I don't put a whole lot of weight on quarterbacks throwing the ball at the combine, but the receivers better be able to catch up and they're not going against any defenders. So he's a guy to watch. Um, Boye Mafe, Quay Walker, are they more than straight line athletes? Derek Stingley, we haven't seen him a whole lot for the past two seasons. What does he look like? And then Daxon Hill, his stock has started to fall a little bit with the rise of Jalen Petrie. He needs to have a good combine because these are all, all the guys I just mentioned are really good athletes. On the other side of the spectrum, guys that we're not really sure about is Sky Moore. He's a wide receiver who a lot of, I believe he has some ties to Pittsburgh. Uh, he's very quick. He's very similar to the mold of a Deontay Johnson or some people have even, I'm sure there's been some comparisons thrown out to Antonio Brown. Cause when you watch him on tape, he does kind of have similar shiftiness in the open field. Uh, but I'm not sure what his 40 time is. Some people are saying he could be the burner that the stewards are looking for. I don't know. I'm I've seen a lot of people projecting him to run around a four five, maybe in, in the four fours. I'm curious to see what his 40 time is. And then the three cone time for yeah. Daniel Falele. Uh, he's struggled at the senior bowl mightily getting down low. I mean, at six foot nine, you're going to have issues getting down low yeah. against okay. the edge rushers. <laughs> uh, but that's something else to watch. We'll get into some other things to watch in a minute. Um, and I think there's a couple other things that we both ran that we're going to pay attention on. Those are just a couple of things, three cone time, really, especially for the bigger linemen. And then the 40 times for the receivers and corners. And then the arm length for corners, Roger McCreary is a guy 
that I'm curious to see what his arm length is. Trent McDuffie, how physical is he? And then Kyrie yeah. Elam, his 40 times. Some people are saying he could run in the high four threes, maybe low four fours. If he runs, let's say a four five or four five five, he's capable of being a zone only corner because that's primarily what he played in college. But that is going to hurt his draft stock, especially when you have guys like Trent McDuffie and Andrew right. Booth and Kyler Gordon all rising. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, those guys are are all intriguing to me. The guy from Ohio State that we can't figure out how to pronounce his name. Yeah, uh, he was a, a guy I was going to mention because the upper level tackles are pretty much set in stone, right? You've got you've got the big three in um, Evan Neal and Iquanu. I, I think that's how you say that. Yes. Uh, yeah, Iquanu and uh, Charles Cross is up there as well. Um, those are kind of the three guys I see at the at the top of most uh, uh, tackle boards. But a guy that they love the upside with is Petit Frere and just uh, the size and the uh, movement skills. I think if he can show out at the combine, he, he could Im- improve his stock and maybe bump himself up into uh, first or a early second round conversation for sure. I think you're going to see tackles go off the board pretty quick in this draft with depth at the skill positions uh, being so insane on a, on a regular basis. A, a guy I want to see um, it here at the combine is Malik Willis. And uh, the reason being is Kevin Colbert made a big deal about accuracy in his press conference. And uh, that's been the big knock on Willis uh, in his career is how is the accuracy? Well, we're going to see some of that in the drills on uh or during the combine and, and how, how does he prepare for that? What has he done to um, work on that during the off season? That'll be interesting to me. And then what do these guys at QB run? Cause uh, you got some mo- mobile quarterbacks, Matt Corral, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, Willis. Uh, and then a guy that I want to see um, move a little bit is Carson strong because of the injury history there. How does he move? How's his footwork? Those are some of the questions I have at the scouting combine, but if Malik Willis, we as Steelers fans need to be careful what we, what we wish for here. If Malik Willis shows out at the combine, at the combine, we may be looking at missing out on this guy. And I think that's the lean of Steeler nation uh, at the quarterback position right now is Malik Willis. Um, do you have any, any specific things you're, you're looking for a specific player, um, a specific attribute or anything like that, that you're specifically looking for when you, when, that drill or that um, measurement is finished, you're, you're going to be checking that out. The hand size of Kenny Pickett is probably the most important thing. And I think that's going to be probably the biggest storyline, at least the first day of, um, of the quarterbacks when the quarterbacks have their measurements. That's sure. going to be the biggest thing. If it's under nine inches, which I certainly expect it to be, I, he's going to have to fall on people's draft boards. I mean, it, I'm not saying it's impossible. I get that Kenny Pickett has – plays with that chip on his shoulder. He has some talent, but it is too big of a risk, especially for a cold weather team to take a guy that has less than nine inch hands. Michael Vick is the only guy, Tony Romo to an extent, the only guys that have ever really in the past 20 years had success with less than nine inch hands. Joe Burrow's kind of right there at nine inches, uh, but anything below that, I'm not taking a chance on. And then arm length of all the cornerbacks is always important especially when you want to, you want to see how guys can align in press coverage and as well in zone coverage, you want to see what their wingspan is, how much ground can they cover arm length wingspan. That's important for corners. And then the last thing I always 
look forward to is the three cone times for the edge rushers. And I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. It, anything under six, nine is a very, very good time for a blitzing linebacker yes. or a four, three defensive end. I think I'm trying to think last year, uh, Adafe away, he was drafted by the Ravens. I, I mean, the jury is still out on whether he's going to be a good player or not, but I felt like he was more in the mold of a three, four outside linebacker. A lot of people were projecting him to four, three defensive end on tape. He struggled getting off the line when he had his hand in the dirt. He was better when he was in an upright stance uh, in a more in a three, four type rushing linebacker. And we saw in that three cone time, I don't remember what it was, but it was a very impressive three cone time. Remember he had zero sacks his senior season or his final season at Penn state rather. Right. You know, that is such an important time. And he still ended up going in the first round. I, if he would have had a bad three cone time, I don't think he would have 40 time for a linebacker. I guess in today's game, it could mean something because you do have guys dropping into coverage and you do have some guys occasionally manning up against running backs or tight ends in the slot. But for the most part, the three cone drill is more important for the edge rushes. You want to see how much bend they have around the edge. How quick can they change direction? That's probably one of the most important things to pay attention to, at least with the linemen and edge rushers. Yeah. Um, when I look at the combine, and obviously the big ticket item is the 40-yard the dash, it, it's not a huge deal for some of these positions. I mean, you do want to see startup speed, get off speed. One thing to keep an eye on for some of the bigger guys is the um, – 10 second and 20 or I'm sorry, 10 yard and 20 yard splits on these guys. Scouts will look at that to see how explosive they are coming off the football. They don't necessarily care about the straight line speed as much, um, but how fast are they uh, on the snap at the gun? And uh, how, you know, how are they, how, what's their reaction time? So that's a big deal too. But then when you get in the forties for wide receivers, I think the Steelers this year are, are probably going to, be specifically looking at speed, straight line speed, deep threat type players at the wide receiver position. They've got the uh, possession receiver in Deontay Johnson. They've got the the big target with uh, intermediate route prowess in uh, Chase Claypool, uh, a 50-50 ball guy. I think he's going to improve with better quarterback play as well. So don't don't throw Juju or uh, sorry, don't throw Chase Claypool to the uh, sideline too quickly there Steeler Nation um but a guy just all he's there for is to take the top off the defense keep safeties honest that's going to be a a an area of interest for the Steelers and I trust this front office this scouting department to get it done at the wide receiver position and a lot of times it's guys that you either haven't heard their name or they're you know they're just not in the top tier of of talk around league circles and in the media, especially. So uh, what are they looking for at wide receiver? I think that's going to be an intriguing addition in the off season here is what do they do uh, on the perimeter in the draft in free agency, uh, how those things go. Um, any, any other things that you're, you're looking forward to in this year's combine? One player, since you're on wide receivers, one receiver that I really like is Christian Watson. And he did a really good job at the senior bowl wide receiver from North Dakota state, about six foot five, 210 pounds. I could, I'm not sure if he's going to get under four, four, but man, if he runs a sub four, four at that size, I think we have to start talking about him as a potential top 40, maybe even top 35 pick. Like we're talking top of the top second round, 
maybe even if you look at a team like Kansas City, maybe if they traded back a few spots, they're looking for another wide receiver opposite Tyreek Hill. Maybe they go after a guy like Christian Watson. I think he'd be a really good fit there. Um, and could you imagine for the Steelers, if he happened to follow the Steelers in the second round, yeah. could you imagine having six foot five Christian Watson on one side and six foot four, 235 pound Chase Claypool on the other side? And both of them have four, four speed. Right. And then maybe later in the draft, you somehow can find a guy who runs, you know, in the four threes or low four, three may have some flaws in the game, may not be the greatest route runner, may not sure. be have any sort of physicality, but could you imagine a wide receiver room? like that that would be very interesting to watch it would be um that's very intriguing i think the steelers are going to do their best to help out whoever is at quarterback whether that's rudolph haskins rookie to be named later a uh, veteran to be named later whatever that combination is the what what goes around that quarterback is going to be big time for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. On the defensive side of the ball, I think it's going to be interesting to watch some of the edge rushers. If any of those guys catch the eye, uh, the um, you know, the look of the Steelers and new linebackers coach um, Brian Flores, it's going to be a little different. I think you might see a different style pick at the edge position. I think they're going to make a pick at that position. Uh, they like to uh, bring in um, late around guys to yes. fill out their uh, their edge rusher room. And with a all-world superstar like TJ Watt in the building, get some young guys every year. I'm talking every year. Get young guys in that building to see how the best of the best does it. And maybe they can pick up on that. Some guy with some raw talent uh, to really um, – bring out some of those skills and, and watch the work ethic and uh, under a, what we know to be a solid uh, defensive coaching staff in Pittsburgh. Um, how can they help that grow? Do you, do you have anybody specifically? I'm the names of, of some of these later on guys at edge um, are not, I'm not very familiar with them yet. I haven't done a lot of study. Do you have anybody who kind of fits that mold that you'd like to see that might be at the combine this week? Jesse Lucada from Penn State has been a guy that really popped to me when I was watching him at the beginning of the season. I've been really watching him all season. I'd watched him several times during the regular season. I haven't gone back and looked at his tape a second time, but he just popped so much on tape. He didn't always play the edge position. He really played out of position at Penn State. They used him more as an inside linebacker role. I don't think he's going to be that at the NFL. He didn't have a bunch of sack production, but man, he has good closing speed. He's got good bend around the edge. He's got some physicality. He just has a good feel for getting into the backfield. I'm curious to see how he tests. I think he's going to have a decent three cone time. I think he's going to have a decent 40 time. If he tests well, I expect his draft stock to rise. The only bad part about that is that I don't want the Steelers to have to spend a super high pick on him. Right. But he's right. a guy that if, that doesn't have a bunch of production. It's kind of, he's kind of a what if guy. He's a guy that I absolutely loved on tape and I think could be an absolute gem if he falls to day three and the Steelers looking there, maybe round four, maybe if they were to trade back and get a pick in the fifth round, if he happened to be there, man, I would love the idea of developing Jesse Lucada behind Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt. Yeah, that, I mean, it sounds, it sounds like it's going to be a position that the Steelers continue to work with. And, um, you know, that, a guy like that has a lot of potential uh, in a great learning environment uh, where the uh, height, weight, speed, uh, matches 
uh, what you're looking for in, in a guy that's maybe a little raw. And then the training environment really takes that up a notch. So maybe the Steelers can afford to take a flyer on a height, weight, speed, height, weight, speed guy um, that's unrefined because of what they have in the building. That's going to be interesting to me to see how that works. Um, interviews are always a big deal at the combine. Uh, people take too much stock in it, probably um, who is interviewed and who isn't interviewed. Um, but you know, it is also something we've seen the last few years, the Steelers kind of lock in on a guy and uh, you know, you might, you might see that again at the combine uh, who, who are they in love with and uh, you know, are they going to make that apparent or not? So interesting week ahead. The combine starts Tuesday, March 1st and ends on Monday, March 7th. Some of that's going to be interviews. Some of that's going to be doctors, uh, testing injuries and things like that. So uh, just keep an eye on the schedule. And uh, I believe most of it's going to be on NFL network, if not all of it. So if you have access to that and you want to watch the NFL combine, uh, definitely check it out. Combine week. It's a lot of fun. I like to tune in. I like to see what's going on, keep the live highlights and uh, updates coming on my phone. So um, if you as a listener want to hear our thoughts and opinions on prospects as they make uh, their mark in the combine, I'm sure Andrew and I will hit up Twitter with some of our uh, thoughts and highlights. So uh, you can follow me at the bets 93. Uh, and then Andrew, what is your Twitter handle for the listeners? Find me at, at Andrew underscore Wilbar. That's W I L B A R. All right. Any last thoughts before we close this baby out? Well, this week going to be going on to the defensive lineman in my free agency series on free agency Steelers should sign at each position. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. We're going to have some more big boards coming. Uh, this uh, recording is going to be coming out on Monday. So you can probably expect two big boards to come out this week. Can expect the one that we've been working on for the interior offensive lineman and can also expect one for the tight ends. And then probably the following week, not this upcoming week, but the following week, you may see mock draft 2.0 drop right after the combine. If that is the case, we will talk about it on this podcast. We're going to keep you up to date with pro days when they come up as well. We're going to recap the combine next week. And uh, as we go through free agency and everything, we will keep you posted on all the latest news and notes regarding the Steelers and their offseason plans to improve for 2022. That's it for us, Jeremy Betts, signing out, Andrew Wilbar. We'll talk to you again next week.